You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello, and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here, along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at HuskerCuzCast, for all podcast updates and more. It is Iowa week. Uh, Iowa hate week, as some like to refer it to. Um... A lot of things to get into. We're going to have a great show tonight with uh, Jeffrey the Greek of the Eyes on Big Podcast. He's going to be joining us to talk about Iowa Week. We're going to talk about Wisconsin. But first, big news out of Lincoln today, guys. Uh, And that's Adrian Martinez. Scott Frost said today that Adrian Martinez' season is over. Uh, He needs shoulder surgery. So it looks like it's going to be up to Logan Smothers. Uh, Big kick in the nuts that is. Tyler, what did you think when you heard the news today? I my very first thought was potentially his last career uh, pass as a Husker, potentially his last pass of his career, definitively the pass of uh, the season was a bullshit pass interference no call. Like that was the very first thing that I thought of. Um, you know, he played a really good game on Saturday. I know we're going to recap it. Um, you know, I just I. It sucks. It just really sucks to see him go down this way. Um, the future is very much uncertain right now for Adrian. Derek, what were your thoughts? I, 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 same thing. Like, it sucks. I hate seeing any kid go down like this. Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know. At the, at the end of the day, there's just... God, it just sucks to see him go down like this. He looked like he was finally getting healthy, and then he gets hurt. In the same game he looks healthy in. Yeah, it's like the guy just can't win. He just can't seem to do it. No, uh, yeah. Go I mean, ahead. No, I was just gonna say. You know, uh, it, it sucks that he's gone for this game. I didn't expect him to be back next year, but I expected him to compete against Iowa and potentially to get that signature win. Uh, and it in a game that looked winnable at the time, but. Man, I tell you what, it's 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 really it does suck. It really sucks because it's he's not going out on his terms. I, I guess in a way he is, but not maybe not. I don't know, man. Uh, it doesn't make me feel good headed into uh, Black Friday against Iowa, though. Um, you know, it's quick quick question for you guys, and this is just I, I don't know. So I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter talking about. If you're talking crap about Adrian Martinez, blah, 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 blah. Have you seen anybody talking crap about Adrian Martinez? No, but I have yet to see one person say no. anything bad. I, I haven't seen anybody, but yeah, I saw a lot of people to all the Adrian haters and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, okay. So this, I, I just, I just don't sorry. know why, why even bring them up. Like, because they're likes. not saying, if, if they're not saying anything, why even bring it up? It's because they're out me. there. And you know, right now, and it may not be wide on Twitter, but like, I, I mean, we've had this conversation. I've had this conversation with so many people. Like, there were uh, agree, right, wrong, indifferent. People blame a lot of Scott Frost's shortcomings on Adrian Martinez. And we will have plenty of time to debate that. We've already done that. The, my last thing on this Adrian thing is, like, you know, I, I obviously on Twitter get accused of being an Adrian lover. And I am completely fine with that notion. Like, I mean, this kid, I don't know what the injury to his shoulder is, but 
for what he did that second half and what he's done all season with a broken jaw, a jaw, high ankle sprain, like, I mean, is he in the conversation as toughest Huskers we've ever had? Like, I mean, this kid has just battled through so many injuries. A broken jaw alone could have kept him out the season. Like, and no one probably would have thought anything differently. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, it just, it, I mean, he had basically could have had three potential season-ending injuries and played through virtually every single one of them. And, again, I'm not going to say this, but if we were in a bowl you know, position, maybe he would have showed up against Iowa. Like, I just, you can't count him out. Like, just really tough kid. Yeah. It's it's a darn shame. I mean, he's he's been the reason why we've been competitive this year in a lot of games. But, yeah. It sucks, man. Uh, I know we're going to talk about Adrian a little bit more with Jeffrey the Greek when he comes on, uh, so we'll save a little bit for that. But we gotta we got to run through Wisconsin, this recap. Uh, shoot, you know, Nebraska, we've lost five straight at this point in seven of our last eight here. Uh, we were competitive. We looked really good offensively in this game, not so much defensively, which is not – not like what we've seen in the past from this defense. Uh, Derek, what were your overall thoughts on this game here? Uh, you, I mean, you kind of hit it right there with the defense. Uh, but but it's really funny because we only gave up 252 yards rushing. It was just the three big touchdowns that killed us. Yeah, But we only get I mean, that's the least amount of yards we've given up rushing since 2016. To Wisconsin. I mean, to Wisconsin, yeah. yes. Uh, I mean, they've destroyed us. I mean, hell, Bo Pelini's last two times of playing him, he gave up over 1,000 yards in two games. You know? I mean, these guys have destroyed us on the ground year in and year out, with the exception of a few years. And real, I mean, statistically speaking, we held them okay with that at 252 yards. If you'd have told me they only had 252 yards and we had 350 passing, I, I would have thought we'd have won this game, especially when we when we scored twenty eight. I think there was a chance in hell they'd have scored thirty five. Well, that's kind of like par for the course this season. I mean, it, on the it, stat it, line it at the is. end of the games, our stat lines is a lot of times it's better than the teams that we're playing, and we still come it, out with the L. It, it's baffling. We had the ball for thirty three minutes. Yeah. I mean, it, we didn't have a ton of penalties. We just, I mean, the the penalties that did come came at a terrible time. But I hate that excuse because I don't think there's ever a good time for a penalty. Right. I like the aggressiveness that Scott Frost showed with the play calling in this game. Just hit him deep just and, you know, just throw your ass off in this game. That's what he did. I guess he maybe realized that he couldn't wasn't going to be able to run with a lot of success. So, I mean, hey, called plays with no fear, and it was good. What, what makes it so irritating, about with the, with, especially with the penalties, is – like, Bryce Benhart gets that holding penalty. And they show the replay. And is it holding? I mean, probably. But they let so much more than slide throughout that whole game than what he did. There was a play. That, as a matter of fact, on the touchdown, the 71-yard touchdown play, if you rewatch that, there's an offensive lineman literally bear-hugging our, our middle linebacker from behind. Oh, yeah. And there's no, and there's no holding penalty there. I, it just it, it blows me away that they can miss that and miss and then they miss the pass interference at the end. 
But as soon as, as soon as Bryce Benthard gets his hands too far outside, oh, there's holding right there. Tyler, what do you and think it, of the pass interference non-call at the end of the game? I, I mean, it was awful. I mean, I don't know how you miss it. I mean, whenever you have like the bad college refs like parody account on Twitter, like retweeting it, I think it's bad refs, uh, whatever whatever their Twitter handle is. Whenever you're like the feature of them. Like, you know there was a bad call miss. It's not this isn't Nebraska fans. This isn't just Nebraska fans sitting here bitching. This is like, oh, we're gonna have a whole Twitter account to parodying bad ref calls, and they choose to highlight that play. But what what's frustrating, I mean, the most to me about this is like, you know, we we've sat here and we've bitched about refs. I mean, we've bitched about refs a lot in our lives. And it just seems like this year, like I don't even say it's more than most, but like literally caused us games and and again these are people's jobs these are people's legacies and just to no call that like it's just baffling to me well you know here's the thing though like i I know as nebraska fans we complain because we see the most calls and we see the bad calls a little more because we're paying a little more attention but this is going across the big 10 so bad like and the big 12 It's really going across college football. Yeah, all across college football. I mean, Lane Kiffin came out and said he's not even going to send reviewable plays back or plays back into review because he knows nothing's going to get done about it anyway. The play-by-play guys for Texas Tech were suspended for a game because they were critical of the officiating. Uh, I think they were playing Iowa State maybe. They were critical, so they got suspended uh, a full game of calling of calling a game. I mean, it, it's it's football wide. So, guys, this is an issue. It's costing a lot of people games. It's pissing off fans, teams, whatever. A lot of talk is about it. I mean, are, but I mean, are we at at the point where you want every play reviewed for penalties? No. I mean, that's no, absolutely not. Yeah, you don't want that. I mean, it's so it's kind of like you you want a better job, but how how do you make you know, without taking out the human element, the live human element. I mean, it's just something that's. But we the just NFL's, have to suck it up. The NFL isn't this bad. If you watch like the premier uh, games of the week in the conferences, they usually have pretty good officiating for the most part. When you look at those, like the key matchups, when they get the A crew, it, it's that. It, honestly, what it does, is it comes out. Who the hell wants to be a ref? And I don't really think the NCAA is paying that much for reps. So you have a combination of a crappy job, low paying, like you're not exactly getting the the top of the barrel right now. And and with so many games, it just you get down to these crap crews. It, it just I I understand holding a whistle at the end of the game, but that was as bad of a miss. Like he literally hit him seconds before that ball got there. I really wish that Xavier Betts would have tried to sell that penalty. When he got hit, he should have thrown his arms up in the air or something, looked at the ref like, but he he just walked off. I I know. The the bad part is, I think the defender sold it well enough. Like, he sat on his ass and put his head down. I mean, like, he literally looked like, oh, I'm, I'm getting nailed for that one. I know I screwed up. But except the receiver. Xavier Betts didn't sell it. And it's just... But our wide receivers haven't done that all year. I can't remember many times they got up and bitched about the calls. And I've actually liked that about the team. That they're not sitting there complaining about every little thing. They go to the next play. I mean, well, Scott Frost was pissed off. <laughs> he well, was pissed he was. off. 
Yeah, it's, it's, but, I mean, it's bad when you got here, players trying thing. to tell the coach to calm down. You got players tapping your coach on the shoulders like, hey, hey, take it easy. Here's what I want to see. Don't review the plays. Just start holding the referees accountable. I don't know. Suspend them for bad calls or fine them. Do something. Um, Hold them accountable for these bad calls. It's not know. that difficult to do. We won't figure that out here. But let's touch on the defense real quick. Uh Derek, we kind of talked, alluded to this. You know, this might be the first game that the defense let us down here. Uh, fair? I, I, yeah, you have to say they did. I mean, they gave up 35 points, and that, hell, that was the most points we gave up all year, wasn't it? Well, we're going to talk about the ugly of the game. That's special teams. They gave up seven. Uh, defense still gets accounted for that. I mean, they were they got accounted for 30 against... Illinois, they didn't give up all those 30 points. I, I know. I, I'm just saying, it's, uh, yeah, the defense couldn't tackle uh, Braylon Allen, and what a freaking stud that dude is at 17 years old. I mean, yeah. It's hard to argue, but... Tyler, are you shaking your head like he's not a stud? No, I'm shaking my head that we have to play that dude for three more years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, mean, I mean... I doubt it's three more years. Wow. Well, yeah, maybe not. Well, you I can't mean, go to the NFL till you're 21. He's only 17. I thought it was a matter of how many years in college. I didn't realize it was age, I guess. Oh, well, I, I, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it's three years I or don't 21. Know. I, I don't pay attention to the NFL. I don't, I don't care. Well, yeah, I mean, th- this was a game. I, I think that we missed JoJo Doman, and we missed Deontay Williams. I mean, I think that this was a very apparent, and Damian Daniels getting injured whenever he got injured, didn't help. Like we were missing some guys and, and I don't think our defense was awful. I mean, I've definitely seen worse defensive efforts. I've seen worse defensive efforts in Madison for God's sake. But like, I think we were missing two of our better defenders um, on Saturday. And that, that was, well, three of Damian Daniels. Damian Daniels at the end. Yeah. I mean, but I, but I think that, that, but I think that really ultimately is the difference in that game. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I I find it hard to believe he... I'm not saying he wouldn't have had a good day. I just find it hard to believe he would have busted all those if we were full strength. One of the good things about this game, uh, if you want to take the, you know, the, the small victories, is there's a lot of younger guys in this game that got meaningful snaps. On defense, Blaze Gunnarsson. That, that dude looked pretty darn good when uh, Caleb Tanner went out. Uh, he, he looked really good. Uh I mean, speaking of younger guys, uh, Thomas Fedoni. I mean, he got his first action there early on in the game. He kind of got a, a number 24 siding on offense and a 24 siding on defense, which was uh, good. Uh, Honestly, I, the way everybody was talking about Fedoni, though, I thought he played more than he did. He only took three snaps, yeah. according to PFF. Yeah. And every, well, the way everybody was well, talking well, about well, him, was, I thought was he was all on the begin- It was all in the beginning of the game, I thought. Then, I don't know, maybe however the game went. Do you guys think that Brody Belt would be our leading ball, ball carrier or leading rusher? Who saw that one? No. No. No, but... But he, but he, but he also probably wouldn't have been if we didn't have a, our best run call back for another questionable holding call. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but even if you don't count Brody Belt, we had a Marvin Scott sighting. 
Yeah. I mean, th- th- this just goes, with the exception of Brody Belt, which is kind of comical, but this kind of goes back to the notion that I had to start the year. The gap between one and five at running back was so razor thin. Like, I mean, did I mean, who is our best, like, today, who was our best running back this season? Ramir Johnson. Was he, though? I, I mean, he obviously had the most carries, but I, I don't know if he looked better than Marvin Scott did. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the why uh, Ryan Held is gone, too. But, uh, hey, uh, let's uh, get into Iowa. Let's uh, bring on Jeffrey the Greek. We now welcome in Jeffrey the Greek of the Eyes on Big podcast. Welcome, Jeff. What's up? What's up, guys? It is great to be on again. Thanks for having me. Well, we had your partner in crime, uh, Big Kurt, on at the beginning of the year to open up the season with uh, Illinois. Illinois won. <laughs> uh, we have you guys coming up here this Black Friday. I hope you don't jinx us, I guess. Uh, well, um, I guess I don't know what to say other than I hope the eyes on Big goes 2-0 and on the CuzCast. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is crazy right there. Uh, it, it, and it'll be back-to-back years, too. We had you guys on last year, and uh, went two and zero, oh and two and. So I guess, so I guess this will be it. I, we better make, we better make a make a good podcast here, because we won't be back on for a while. It was good, it was good knowing you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, prior to the Adrian Martinez news, it was released that uh, Nebraska opened up as three and a half point favorites, so anywhere from three to four, depending on which site you're looking at. Did that shock you at the time? Yeah, it did. Um, I I thought I, I had I'd been getting asked a lot by Nebraska fans on what I thought the line was. Um, I thought it'd be right at a pick'em for for the game. Uh, so for it to come out three and a half like it did, that that surprised me. Um, I I can't really give you a firm idea on why that would be. To be honest with you, um, certainly you get a bump uh, for being at home. So basically, Vegas is saying that they thought Nebraska. And Iowa were even Steven. Um, trust me, I mean, I'm sure we'll dig into it. Nebraska is a better team than their record shows. But, but yeah, that was surprising. Well, then, uh, Nebraska fans, we got the gut punch today that Adrian Martinez is going to be sitting. Uh, his season's over. Uh, I guess Logan Smothers will probably be the starter. And the line is taken off the board. And Iowa comes and at, I think, one-and-a-half-point favorites at this time. Uh, what did you make of that news of Adrian Martinez? Yeah, first shout-out, I just want to say, is to Adrian Martinez. I, I don't know, maybe he listens to the podcast or whatever, but, you know, maybe more to Nebraska fans with Adrian Martinez, which is, um, you know, we fit, we had kind of learned from our Nebraska insiders, if you will, that his jaw was broke earlier in the year. We had heard about that. There was obviously something dinged up. During the Minnesota game, he played through it all. Um, he is an enigma wrapped in a riddle as far as trying to figure out, you know, what type of player he is. Um, but crazy that he, he's just, a, a, I'm not making my point clear, tough dude. I just want to make sure I get that out. I mean, no matter what your feelings are for Adrian Martinez as either a Nebraska fan or just a fan of the Big Ten watching him, I hope you can understand that that dude's a warrior and has done everything he can to try to make it work when he's at uh, Nebraska. So uh, unfortunate 
that um, he's not going to be able to play. I guarantee you, if you ask the Iowa players, they would want to play him. You know, you always want to play the best of what the other team has to offer. Um, so it's just unfortunate that he he can't play on Friday. But as a fan, are you somewhat relieved that you don't have to see him? You don't get to see him a little bit? You know, I, I'm going to try to dance around and answer this as best I can, but I, I am... I'm on the fence on that, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. We're three and zero versus Adrian Martinez, so um, I, I, I'm not like overtly scared of him. With that being said, one would think he's been playing in front of Smothers for a reason, so you would think there would be a downgrade at quarterback. But I mean, we've all seen it. We've all, you know, four of us here have watched enough college football. All of a sudden, the you know the backup goes in. Uh, the the coaches don't have film and tendencies on him like they have for the other guy and the guy goes nuclear you know you you don't know how this goes well and and i think on that note too it's not just the film it's the play calling because logan's mothers is a lot different than adrian martinez and against wisconsin you know we threw a little bit of wrinkle scott frost took over all of it we played a lot different offensively now you have this like scouting's got to be a little bit more challenge for the uh iowa team going into uh, friday so Yep. Um, you know, a lot Iowa uh, secondary plays a lot of matchup zone, you know, and which means they feel like they're they're a coachable team that's comfortable with the route concepts that the other team is running. Uh, so they're maybe not going to have that, you know, for the first quarter, quarter and a half going against the Nebraska offense. So could be something to look out for right away. You know, is it something that Nebraska's offense actually has success early in the game before Phil Parker and the Iowa defense can adjust. Uh, it's it's definitely something that's going to be interesting to look out for. Tyler. So so let's talk about the Iowa offense for a moment. So um, obviously Pietra starts the year. Um, he gets benched. So I, 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 I've listened to your podcast. I, I know at the moment you felt pretty good about that decision. How do you feel now going into Friday uh, about the quarterback situation in Iowa? All right, so I believe the question was to talk about the Iowa special teams. All right, let's talk about <laughs> um, Okay, so obviously, I mean, if you actually, the Iowa offense gets uh, dogged on quite a bit, you know, not just this year, over the years, right? But this is actually a historically bad offense for Iowa um, during the Ferentz era. So th- this is in the running as far as yards per game. To be one of the to be the worst uh, Iowa offense. So the the offense needed a spark. Um, for me, what I was seeing was you know the the previous quarterback. I hate calling guys out, but you know the previous quarterback was having a hard time climbing in the pocket and making plays on his own. Um, he was obviously taking a ton of sacks. Some of that is always going to be on the offensive line, but it's never completely on the offensive line. Um, so it, it was time to see if something could look a little bit different, a little bit better. Um, I've, I've asked a ton of Nebraska fans, Minnesota fans, Illinois fans, cause these are, you know, the other fan bases that probably watch, you know, Iowa as much as anybody. And I think the general thought process is Padilla is definitely a step up, uh, for the offense and at the quarterback position. So I'm all for it. I, I would be shocked if he isn't the starter on Friday versus Nebraska. Um, he's still learning through uh, playing the position. There's no doubt about that. But 
the lack of negative plays and sacks that Iowa has taken in the last uh, two games and three quarters, which is basically when Padilla's playing, it, it, it's drastically different. And I, you know, I think Padilla deserves a lot of credit for that, obviously. I, I, just a quick question. Just This is just uh, coming from a Nebraska's perspective. You talk about this historically bad offense. Right, like they're 113th in pass and rushing offense, 124th in uh, total offense, 90th in scoring offense. Like the, the offense does not look good. Is there is there a lot coming from fans about wanting to fire coaches or replace coaches? Because that seems to be Nebraska's go-to fix all the time. And it's not just Nebraska; it's it's a lot of big schools. You see it at Texas all the time. You see it at LSU. You see it at USC. Everybody's always wanting to replace coaches. And uh, Iowa has always been kind of known to keep their coaches around. And so I, I'm curious if, is there any of that talk going on with Iowa fans right now? Well, but the thought going through my head is, you know, what type of Iowa fan are you talking about? You know, like, are you talking about the Iowa fan that is one of my brothers or my cousins? Like we're not like that. But if you're talking about the, what, what people would call Tavern Hawks, H O K S, you know, the guys sitting in the bar, you know, screaming uh, the guy. Somehow the guys that always make it into the call-in shows. Those are the dumbest people on the planet, no matter what the fan base. I don't know how that works out like that. So if you talk to those guys, yeah, they want to fire the whole staff. They want both Ferences gone, all of that stuff. But I think, for the most part, most Hawk fans, um, we very much appreciate bordering on love, uh, Coach Ferentz, meaning Kirk Ferentz. Um, but it gets frosty. Uh, pardon the pun. Uh, when you are looking at at the offensive coordinator, Brian Ferentz. So very, you know, there is definitely frustration there. Um, there's, there's been snippets of good stuff, but I think overall we, we view the Iowa offense as just too complicated sometimes. Like they're not letting the, the kids play more. That would probably be one of my biggest issues. Um, but, uh, you know, and I'm not trying to overstate it too much, but there was portions of the offense that got unlocked once Padilla was in there. So we're hoping we're seeing more and more of that as, as I would like to say, as the season goes on, but it's almost over. So, you know, it's crazy. It is. I know we're in the last week of the season, but this thing's still developing. We'll see what it looks like here in the next couple of games. So are you a bit jealous that Nebraska is looking for an offensive court coordinator right now? And you guys aren't. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I mean, it's just, you, you guys are a little masochistic, right? You just love doing stuff that's a, that, that kind of hurts, kind of is a little crazy. Um, never seen a coach stay, but almost all of one side of the ball leave like that. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's just like I, I compared it our, on our podcast to like, you know, the crazy ants, you know, like she comes in the party and some people are like, oh, gosh, we got to leave. Gina's here, you know. And then some people are like, oh man, this this is gonna be a good party. Crazy Gina's here. That that's what it that's what it's like with Nebraska football. Like you just it's so interesting. Um, and you know, with this happening with the with the the coaches like this, it made it intriguing for that Wisconsin game last weekend on on you know what to expect. And I do think it looked different. I, I like you guys already kind of alluded to. Um, and I read an article, um, you know, that that uh, whoever the new dude was up in the booth, um, it seemed like he was giving Frost some better input. They got more aggressive. And that was a lot of passing yards versus a good Wisconsin team last week. Well, 
yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, Wisconsin's defense, um, you know, I know we're going to talk about Iowa's defense, but I think there was a point in the season that you looked at Wisconsin and Iowa is clearly the two best defenses. And I think Wisconsin, at least over the second half, has definitely overtaken and said that they are the premier Big Ten defense. Um, yeah, very impressive. Um, kind of sticking on the offensive side, I mean, we talked about the struggles, which was shocking to me in some capacity because of the offensive line in Iowa. And the offensive line has been really good at Iowa over the years, and this year going into the year I thought was going to be the same. But Tyler Goodson really hasn't gotten it going this year, not at least the capacity that a lot of people thought. Um He's on track to have his worst yards per carry in his career. Um, what what's been the struggles there with him this year, or do you see it as a struggle? I mean, he's going to be a, he's going to hit a thousand yards. I mean, right. by all accounts, I mean he'll have a good year, but not probably the year you expected. Um, no, Maybe. I mean as far as Tyler Gibson's stats, uh, pretty close to what I expected. I mean, I would guess he's going to wind up with like. 1300 total yards, eight or nine touchdowns on the year. Um, that's, that's pretty good. You know, that's pretty productive. Um, Iowa typically likes to have a one, two punch with the second running back getting a lot of, of carries. Uh, so that was no different. The only thing that switched out is, is the, the number two running back kind of changed partway through the year. Uh, but you kind of touched on where the issues have come from is the offensive line um, there. So the, you know, we've got, I think the best center in all of college football right up the middle, but around him, it has been a combination of injuries and youth. Um, Iowa is undoubtedly an offensive line factory, but nobody is immune to the Jimmy's and Joe's struggling like that. And that's what happened when you were constantly rotating people in um, at the guard spot because of injuries. And then just, again, the newness on the tackles, which you guys can relate to it's, it is tough. Um, as the year has gone on, finally, thankfully, uh, they've gotten they've gotten healthier at the guard spot. And I think the tackles have have settled down a little bit, have taken to the coaching. But again, something that helps that out is just not giving up as many sacks, not having to, you know, block every pass, you know, pass pro just it, it's hard to be perfect when you have, you know, a relative statue back there and not having that seems to have given the offensive line a little bit more confidence these past two or three games. So, so my, my last note on the, the Iowa offense is, is, you know, obviously there have been struggles you've talked about their historic. I would also attribute a lot of this to the defenses in the big 10, especially in the West. Like who would have thought Purdue in Minnesota would have had good defenses. And I mean, Nebraska's defense is probably near that tier. However you want to rank those defenses, you know, people could disagree, but you've also played Wisconsin and Penn state, clearly two of the better defenses. I mean, like you look at Tyler Goodson, those are the games he struggled in and, and rightfully so. I mean, Nebraska struggled against those teams offensively. I mean, like there, how much of it is just that the stats have caught up because the big 10 West learned how to play defense this year. Yeah, when you were when we'd been talking about the Iowa offense, the defenses they've played is going through my head. Um, you know, it kind of sounds like an excuse. So I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. But, you know, it's not only the Big Ten West defenses. They also played Penn State and Iowa State. Like it, it has just been an incredible year in the Big Ten West, you know, and in, in, including those two teams for who Iowa has had to go against. And that is that has prevented them from getting in any kind of a rhythm, too. So it definitely plays into it. Um, I mean, one through six in the Big Ten West, 
are not only good defenses, most of them are really good to, to great defenses with inexplicably Northwestern having the only bad defense in the Big Ten West this year, which is kind of, you know, completely opposite. But Purdue, I mean, are you kidding me? Purdue having a good defense? That's like bizarro world stuff. Minnesota. They, they have three defensive coordinators. <laughs> it's going to be the new thing now, man. Maybe that's what Nebraska's. They should have three offensive coordinators. That's what you should, get, you should do next year. <laughs> I think you're on to something right there. <laughs> nah, not sure if that's the route I would ask him to go. But. I just, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, quarterback and uh, the quarterback situation, the running backs. I want to know a little bit more about the receivers. Keegan Johnson mainly, because I know there's a lot of Husker fans that are interested in him. W- what are your thoughts on that young man right there? We love our Keegans uh, in, in Iowa City. Uh, there's one lighting up the scoreboard for the basketball team right now. Um, and then Keegan Johnson, obviously, Nebraska native. Um, very happy uh, that we got him into Iowa City. He has looked electric pretty much from the first time he got his hands on the ball and just seems to have steadily improved. Had a little couple drops last weekend, uh, which you will run into with a freshman receiver. Uh, but he's been amazing. Arlen Bruce has now took a step up, another true freshman. Um, and and I mean, essentially, they've just they've just beat out the older guys. And, you know, it's it's we're not there yet as an offense. I mean, let's be honest, like, you know, our quarterbacks and going to his third start and the receivers are new. Uh, but if Iowa, you know, there's a lot of we you know, a lot, there's always negativity around your football team, no matter who it is, unless you're basically Georgia or, or Ohio State. OK, like if you're not Georgia or Ohio State, you suck. I mean, that's how the new college football fans are now. So there's negativity around Iowa and it's mostly surrounding their offense and the quarterback play. But if Iowa can figure out a way to get to 10 or 11 wins with a quarterback change and essentially a wide receiver change that, you know, switched out two thirds of the year. I think you got to give a lot of credit to to the coaching staff, and then it would get you excited for next year. And is Sam Laporta your best receiving threat? I mean, honestly, the, our best receiving threat, I I think, is either Keegan Johnson or Arlen Bruce. Uh, wow. But the steadiest re- receiving threat, yeah, would be our would be Sam Laporta. Is he get, Do you think he'll be back next year? Almost for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he doesn't have enough on film to get drafted high enough. Yeah, he'll be back. Okay. Uh, sorry, Tyler. Do you have any any more questions on offense? No, 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 no. no that's fine. Uh, just take my wide receiver. I was gonna bring up Keegan Johnson, Shit, kind of a sore bad, subject, man. but that's okay, Justin. Uh, Derek, you want to take the defense? <laughs> I like Keegan Johnson. What can I say? I mean, I wish he was a Husker. We like him. <laughs> All right, so. So this is just a, a ball hawking defense, right? Like, man, you guys got Dane Belton with five interceptions, Riley Moss with four interceptions. He's only played eight games. Uh, plus, you got 21 interceptions on the season. Man, I, that scares me with this defense. Uh, a lot of that came earlier on the year, though. Like, you've only had three interceptions in the last, like, four games. And all three of those, I believe, came in one game against – uh, Northwestern. Uh, have teams kind of figured out which DBs to stay away from a little more, or is it just I, I have team? I guess have teams made adjustments to Iowa. Why, why yeah. is the interceptions dropping? I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors in there. Um, we've had actually uh, D-backs out with injury like crazy uh, over the past uh, three or four weeks. I mean, Riley Moss was out uh, that for was three huge. games. Yep. Um, uh, um, yeah, we've had a couple guys. I mean, we had we had our uh, starting cornerback and safety out uh, last uh, weekend versus Illinois. And then, you know, it's kind of the style of offenses that we've played, too. I mean, Illinois doesn't throw the ball a lot. Wisconsin hardly ever throws the ball. Um, so that's definitely played into it a little bit. And, you know, and then with Minnesota, with Minnesota and Tanner Morgan, I mean, that's a, you know, seems like a six-year quarterback they have out there. Like, obviously, he was coached up not to throw the ball into the teeth of the defense. So that plays into it. Injuries play into it. Um, and then, if you know, but if we can get some guys – back um you know we'll we'll see i mean again like we're talking like there's a bunch of games left there's only two or three games left for iowa uh, but um you know i feel like it's one of those deals where iowa is at its best for picking the ball off when they are when they have a lead and teams are forced to throw um and, and it's been tighter so a lot of it is going to dictate on how the early part of the game goes if iowa starts forcing turnovers Oh, they have to be licking their chops with uh, Logan Smothers, first start coming in. Yeah, you got this young quarterback is bound to make a few mistakes. Like they just got to be licking their chops back there right now. Let, let's be real, they were licking their chops if Adrian Martinez is back there. It's not like Adrian Martinez <laughs> is uh, not known to throw an interception every now and again. I, I get it, but you got a guy in there that's he's green, like he doesn't know diddly squat right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would I would have to think the the you know, the Iowa, the tenants of Iowa football are run the ball and stop the run, you know, so I don't think we're going to see anything different out of this game. I would think um, as best they can. I mean, they're going to keep quite a few guys, you know, up around the line of scrimmage. Um, Smothers is good at keeping the ball and, and taking off with it. I think there's at least enough film out there with him to show that. So my guess is that's going to be one of the first things that Phil Parker talks about is. Uh, you know, trying to take that away and making Smothers beat you with his arm. Um, but on the other side of it, if Smothers uh, can come out and Frost and the the new offensive coaches have a wrinkle with that, maybe that's something that they can take advantage of. But yeah, I mean, and, and, and you know, Nebraska's got, you know, the we do the thing on the podcast with the Nebraska running backs where you spin a wheel, you know, and just who's who's going to come out, you know, this we don't know. Like it was some white dude last week. I just, I'd never even seen this guy before, you know, and he rips it off. So like, you know, like I, you can't even really game plan for that. They're, they're just, they're going to play a lot of hat on hat on defense and try to keep, you know, try to keep the, uh, the ball in front of them. Yeah. That Brody belt. He's a white Wandell yeah. Robinson. That's what he oh, is. Okay. You know, they moved him to wide receiver this year, but you know, what's he doing? Hey, playing running back. Seen that before. Built, built just like Wandale, too. Hey, man, uh, it takes a village, apparently, to be a Nebraska <laughs> a Nebraska running back. Yeah, there, there ain't no doubt about that. Uh, so, Purdue had fairly good success against you. Wisconsin had fairly good success against you. Where, where can Nebraska hurt this defense? Where can Nebraska really dig in and make a difference? Um, the two ways you can get to the Iowa defense are, I think more of like cutbacks or outside zone. Um, like as far as, uh, 
You know, it's just tough because, like, some of the offenses that we've gone against recently, I mean, they just have nothing similar to Nebraska, so it's hard to put, you know, much comparison there. I mean, Wisconsin is obviously a, you know, big physical O-line, pin and pull, come right at you. That's not Nebraska. Minnesota, big, beefy offensive line, and then their running backs kind of cut out the backside. I can't really say that. So, I mean, Nebraska is going to try to do what Nebraska does, which is what a lot of that stuff where you saw them move the pocket, right? They were moving the pocket out to get away from that uh, uh, Wisconsin front seven and interior pass rush. Um, so I would expect they would do try to do a lot of that. I don't think with, uh, Nebraska will try a whole bunch to run in between tackles. Uh, doesn't Nobody has success versus Iowa doing that, so I don't think Nebraska will try to do it a lot. Um, so a lot of outside zone. Um, and then the, the, what I saw, you know, and this is unfortunate, but what I saw Martinez do was attack downfield, you know, and they're basically rolling the pocket out, giving that tight end enough time to get across the zone on the other side and get it over to him. So what's going to be interesting is, you know, how confident the coaches are in Smothers and how confident Smothers is in himself in himself running those type of plays because there are available intermediate routes in front of Iowa's zone. There, there always has been, they just dare quarterbacks to consistently complete those passes. They don't think you will, you know, all day long. And then, and then if you're ever misfire on one, that's where the interceptions come from. So, sorry, sorry to jump in there, but like when you talk about attacking this, you know, you talked about what Nebraska can do. One thing when Martinez was in there, and this would have been a stat probably a week or two ago, so it's subject to change. But at the point in the season, Martinez was the least pressured blitz quarterback in the Big Ten, but had had the most sacks. Um, And again, I think this was a week or two stat, so that's possible to change. Is Iowa going to come after Logan? Do you think they're going to blitz or do you think that they're going to just trust their front four to get after him and put enough pressure? Like how how aggressive do you think this is going to be? They'll run blitzes. So of all the good things that you can talk about the Iowa defense, they haven't gotten a ton of pressure just from their front four. Um, Logan Jones has been okay here and there. Zach Van Valkenburg is definitely the best uh, defensive lineman that can get a, a pass rush on his own. Most of the big plays have come from the very talented linebackers that, that Iowa has. So they're going to send them here and there. But again, that is something that's going to be interesting to take a look at early on Friday is what is Phil Parker going to do? Is he going to get more of a taste of what Nebraska is trying to do first before he starts dialing up uh, blitzes? I I really don't know, but I'm going to be, you know, intrigued to, to, to find that out on Friday. Derek, you have anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. Uh, Jeff, I got to ask you about special teams because special teams for Nebraska is an absolute shit show. Absolute shit show. Every single game, they find a new way to say, wow, you guys suck. Frost, you need a a real uh, special teams coordinator. Uh, what What do you think of this matchup here between special teams for the two teams? Yeah, so, um, uh, when I was looking at, you know, doing a deeper dive, I do these for most of our matchups and I, you know, obviously already got this one done, uh, since we were recording here tonight. Um, obviously Nebraska has got a better offense statistically than Iowa. There's no way you can deny that both defenses are good, right? Iowa's is 12th in total defense. Nebraska's is, is 56. Nebraska's defense has kind of slipped down 
So Iowa's got a better defense, but not, you know, maybe leaps and bounds better. Uh, I would say more consistent would be. So then you sit there and you say, well, where where's the big difference? And I mean, we're hitting on it special teams. So I had to kind of do a deep dive on this. But um, and th- this was in um, uh, what's the uh, um, football outsiders. Football outsiders is where I had to do this. Uh, find this stat. And so the they have a complete composite thing that they do for uh, um, the statistics for the uh, um, special team statistics. I'm doing a horrible job getting this out. I apologize. So Iowa's fifth in the country for this in total encompassing stat, and Nebraska's is 127th. So it's not just you know a big difference. It's a stark, gigantic difference. Um, and then this other one I, stat I looked up, which was kind of crazy, but it's hidden inside there which is the average starting field position for the offenses, okay? So it is the available yards from where your your offense takes the ball over to the end zone, okay? Now, if you factor in how many times you're starting at the 25, it kind of jumbles all the stats together. But if Iowa's average that yards that they have to go is 64.9, that is the lowest in the entire country. So they have the least amount of yards to go to get to the end zone as anybody. The next two teams that are closest to Iowa are Cincinnati and Georgia, which I found incredibly interesting because they're obviously both undefeated at this point in the year. Nebraska's was not awful, but it was pretty bad. They're at 73.6. So um, like, that is the 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 old saying goes lies, damn lies, and statistics. I mean, that's what you see here when you're comparing some of these stats because almost every stat you have available for Nebraska, we've all seen them on Twitter, right? Every stat shows that Nebraska should be better than they are. But I think there is this anomaly going on with turnovers, which is the other one, and special teams because they are so bad they are taking away available points from the Nebraska offense and putting the Nebraska defense in too many tough spots. Are you surprised how bad Nebraska special teams really is? I'm surprised that Scott Frost has not done more to address it. It, 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 like he obviously has forgotten more about football than I have, uh, but that I've ever learned, but maybe at some point ego is just the enemy here. And you know, like there's so many, they've got a lot of coaches on the, in the defensive side because they've got two linebacker coaches. Right. Um, and then you switch to the other side, very common to have a quarterback coach, but you sit there and wonder, you know, Scott Frost, could you be the quarterback coach to free up a spot on the offensive side to have a committed special teams person? I was got one, which who we love with coach Woods and Wisconsin's got one. Other teams, Minnesota has one, even though their special teams aren't great. Um, but it, to me, it's just it seems to be what is needed to have a focused person digging in to this stuff. And um, um, if if it doesn't happen in the offseason, OK, and in the first two or three games next year, there's a game that's lost because of a special teams gaffe. All of the the raining fire from Nebraska fans that comes on to Scott Frost, he will have deserved it at that point. So, okay, so we've had this conversation a lot. So there is a misconception, okay? Nebraska doesn't have a special teams coach. 
Nebraska does have a special teams coach. He's also our outside linebackers coach. And it's not like he picked his name out of a hat. Mike Dawson, Mike Dawson, who is our special teams coach, was Boston College special teams coach for four seasons. Like, this isn't a guy that's never coached special teams and they drew his name out of a hat and that's the guy. You talked about having two linebackers coaches. So you you know a lot about college football. Like, I sit there and I say, well, okay, he's only coaching outside linebackers. You know, I've had a chance to watch enough practices to know that the special teams unit isn't out there practicing for two hours. Those are the same players playing defense. Like, am I crazy? I mean, obviously the results show that I'm crazy, but like, it's not like, I mean, we've tried it. We've tried new guys. We've rotated guys in. I mean, I I just think that there's this conception that Scott Frost is like just stuck with the same thing his whole tenure at Nebraska. I'm sure Mike Dawson knows plenty about special teams. Okay. And I know they have the analyst, but having somebody that is flat out committed to doing it, there's just, there is just no way a guy can, can concentrate on a position group, right. And put as much concentration into the special teams as a, a guy would that is focused on the special teams. And I'm certainly not at Nebraska practices, so I would have to see that to understand, but it's just hard for me to think that there there is enough focus that's happening on the special teams when the results that we're looking at are so bad. Like the 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 actual ball handling, if you will, from the the kicker and the punter, that's tough. I mean, I feel like you can just get in a rut at kicker and just have that happen. Nick Saban couldn't find a kicker for a while, for years. right? It it it, yeah. it happens, okay. Um, but again, to me, is is there a something is somebody that is focused on recruiting that you know position? And, and I and I I don't know that, but my guess is no. And, and so that's kind of separate. But but there's more issues too. I'm I'm you know coverage units and and everything that I've seen. Like it's the, the returns are borderline abysmal, right? That's got to play into that that 127th in the country number here. Long story short, you know, I'm just a guy blabbing and giving my my opinion. But if it's been this bad, you know, for this long, saying we're just going to do what we're doing, but do it a little bit better just does not seem like the answer. To me. And that's and fair. And I think it's every Saturday, every Saturday, it's a big turd. But but but, th- but just to be clear, this will be the fourth change we've made at the special teams lineup since Scott Frost has been here. So. But, we, but we, never we, having I, never having a committed guy. We every year we're just gonna keep rotating guys, and eventually we'll get it right. This I I believe this year special teams are a bit bad, but I think that it that's it, an it's, understatement. It, well, that's okay. Obviously, you know Jeff just gave the stats, and we we've seen it. But I do think that there's something to be said, and you hit it there. When you have an All Big Ten kicker that just forgets how to kick the ball. Like, I don't know, like, unless a special teams coach is like a hypnotist and makes him forget that there's fans in the stands, like, because apparently that's the difference is you take away the fans, he's all conference and you put a fan there, it's awful. Like, I, I don't think practice duplicates it. I don't think you can see that. I don't know. I, I think that the, I hope we get a new special teams coach, but I think that that is a, I don't know. It's it just misconception that we don't have a dedicated special teams coach. We do. He just happens to also coach outside backers. And he's terrible. He's terrible. I mean, like you're terrible. Mario Verduzco. Mario Verduzco is a terrible quarterbacks coach. 
Did Did he he on the side, coach? A lot of people said, no, we don't have a quarterbacks coach. That's why quarterbacks have been struggling. Mike Dawson. Man, I mean, he, Verduzco killed it in weekend at Bernie's, though. Freaking love. <laughs> one and two. One and two one were and fantastic. Two. Best movies ever. That, that is one of the very few movies that my kid, 80s movies that my kids will actually watch and actually laugh at. But yeah, the 80s movies were full of this type of great stuff, you know? But <laughs> that's the only one they liked. I don't know. Um, um, yeah, we could probably go on and on with that, but I, I guess in the end, um, it, it, I think it's fair to say it'll be interesting to see how it, how it unravels in the off season for how that's, how that's addressed. So, so not, we, we derailed this. I'll be we very derail- disappointed if we don't hire a special teams coach. I would be with Justin. I would feel the same way. Well, Justin's very disappointed that a certain coach is coming back, so we'll just leave it there. But well, so, you know so just just to put just to put a bow on what we were just talking about, though. So I I couldn't quite tell. Do you think Iowa has the advantage in special teams on Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think so. I mean, I, and I tell you what, I mean, you talk the the punter, our punter Tori Taylor is. You know, people laugh at it, and I was, you know, joke is punting is winning. We got T-shirts that say it, but I tell you what, like, like the Penn State Rutgers game. You know, I mean, Penn State was going to win that game probably no matter what, but they pitched a shutout versus Rutgers. Why? Well, Rutgers has got a bad offense. Okay, that's reason number one. But reason number two, Penn State's punter was just pinning them inside the ten over and over again. It just kills offenses. That's something that Iowa makes a living off of. We're going to need that on on Saturday. Um, bad news for Nebraska fans is the the warmer it is, the better punter Tory Taylor is. He's from Australia. That's something to, you know. And then you know Caleb Shudag, knock on wood. I mean, he's been borderline, you know, all American this year. Hey. And that Whoops. and having a field goal kicker like that. I mean, right now Scott Frost is basically has to call plays aggressively on offense because I don't know if he can trust his field goal kicker in almost any capacity right now. We'll see your Australian kicker and bring in our Australian kicker, Daniel Turney. Oh, wait, he sucks. Is, <laughs> he's, the, is he, he's the kicker, right? Not, he's not a punter. No, he's no, the punter he's that started the, the year. He started yeah. the year and got pulled. Okay. Because he was only averaging like 38 yards a punt. I don't know, man. It's, it's an odd thing. I, I can't make heads or tails of it. Mut, like much of ne- uh, Nebraska football this year. Yeah, I, I mean, how many Australian punters? I mean, preserve, strip, preserve Strip's done a lot better, except for the one 13-yard punt that he had. Yeah, that was versus Ohio State, right? Yeah, which ended up giving up a touchdown. because We gave him the ball at midfield when we should have been able to pin him deep. So, yeah. so, so Tyler alluded to... Uh, maybe an upset a certain coach was coming back. So I got to have to ask you, what are your thoughts on Nebraska retaining Frost for one more year? I think overall is the right move. Um, and but I mean, Justin, I know where you stand. And here, here's the deal. I mean, I'm going to dance on two sides of the fence. I would understand any Nebraska fan feeling like Justin saying enough is enough. We've seen you know, enough of this coaching regime to know that it's not going to happen. So, I, I mean, you're, I don't think you're a crazy person to, to think that, but whole, you know, just looking at the, the, the full, you know, everything to look at, I mean, look at the coaching openings that are out there right now. And, you know, I'm sorry, but right now 
LSU and Florida and and USC like the, there are you know football programs that are 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 can attract a bigger coach right now those three you know schools alone are going to create a vacuum you know that's just going to suck all the good candidates out and then all the coordinators and, and D coordinators that go with them and everything um you know and then Vatek and TCU like there's just going to be a lot of coach so it was a tough market to get into that very much plays into it. The other side is it has been close. You know, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I hate to say hate it, it, but like it's so close to, 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 to the win. So, and, and, and then finally the, the, the previous 20 years, right? Like Nebraska's done this before where they've gotten rid of the coach when, you know, that's it. Let's try another one. And it the has difference is they those previous coaches showed success. I mean, I right now, you know, we're about to go 15 and 29. I mean, three and nine on the year. I mean, I, I think his buyout had a lot to do with retaining Frost. And so what Scott Frost ultimately is, is he's like that really bad cell phone contract that you got. You know, you want to get rid of it, but the damn... You can't break the contract because it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get out of it. You just need to get out of it because the, sh- the service is shitty. You're dropping calls. It's just a big dog shit show. It came with this fancy phone that everybody wanted. Like, you know, when the service came out, it's like the fancy phone that everybody wanted. But it's a, it's a, such a piece of shit. And so now we're stuck with it and we got to stick with it one more year to get this contract down so we can find a real cell phone contract. I mean, that's, that's what right. it is. All right. Let me set this up for everybody. Justin just went on an epic rant. Okay. I'm laughing because I'm sorry. I'm an Iowa fan. Tyler is trying not to laugh. He has got his head to the side. Derek's just pissed. He has not changed. He has not changed his expression during that whole time. He's so sick of hearing this shit. Oh my God. I, I, it's, it's, it's absolutely exhausting listening to this bullshit so 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 like, Jeff, good let me tell god you. so so a little bit of history so i moved back to nebraska i lived in colorado just moved back to nebraska nine out of ten nebraska fans do not feel like justin nine out of ten fans are happy scott frost is back i mean it is overwhelming the people that do now more people think adrian martinez is the reason that we've sucked which i don't really get that take but whatever the the the, the point is justin is like on this little he, he is the snowflake out there that bitches so much about okay. every little thing. This is the conversation you heard three weeks ago. This is exactly a repeat, and this will be our off season. So if you guys enjoy listening to this, like, it's going to. Yeah. Justin's take is honey barbecue sauce on hot wings. It's fucking weak sauce. All right. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I love a good analogy and the 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 cell phone bill and, and the fancy cell phone. That's I, that was a plus stuff, Justin. I I so, tip the hat to that. I I know we're about to get to the, the the game predictions, but my last question on this is: so you've watched a lot of college football, we all have, and as a Nebraska fan, like it's easy for me to say, like I've never seen a year like this. But as an outsider, have you ever seen a team this competitive week in week? I mean, and just never win. No, nobody has. I, 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 it's, it's a, it's an anomaly. Um, so is it, is it, is it, is he's doing, is he doing something fundamental? I mean, obviously there's something that he's not doing, but is it like, 
how much of it is luck and how much of it is something that he is doing? Which one do you put it more into? So since you're going to ask me the question, I'll give you my opinion. But of course, I have not been to these practices. I'm I'm going to take a guess that all four of us have not spent a lot of time at a, at a Scott Frost, you know, coach practice to know this stuff. But when the same issues happen over and over again, it's it to me, it's just a lack of focus and discipline. I know that it's an answer that I'm, I'm not going to come up with anything unique here, um, but the the type of guys you are recruiting is going to play into this. OK, and then the type of coaching and direction they get while on campus, it's it's two different things melded together. OK, it is almost impossible for me to think that if in some capacity. Paul Christ or Kirk Ferentz suddenly were the coach at Nebraska that they would still be making these mistakes by game six next year. I don't believe they would. Okay. Um, The best comparison I can give is when I was at Iowa, I didn't time it out. Great. Right. I was at the end of coach Fry and the beginning of coach Ferentz. Okay. Not that we were haphazardly going about our business under coach Fry, but when coach Ferentz came in, it was very obvious there was a new sheriff in town and shit got buttoned up. It like it was cleaner. Uh, expectations got raised. Um, if you were not doing your job, you were gone. You know, like I'm proud to have stayed on the football team those last two years because many people weren't as lucky. OK, and and what I feel that that type of of holy shit, you know, coach coach frost is walking around i just don't feel like that has been put into place i think i think frost has he really wanted to be the guy that all of his players loved and and they had this amazing environment but i i mean derek i know you roll your eyes at me but i I don't i don't mean to roll my eyes i just think it's funny because nebraska fans at least for the first two or three years were in the complete opposite spectrum of this Oh, Scott Frost is too hard on these players. He's running these players out of here. Really? Too many guys in the transfer portal. They're all leaving. All the good players aren't sticking around because Scott Frost ain't dealing with their shit. And people were getting pissed because everybody was leaving. Well, they're pissed the good players were leaving, like Wandale Robinson, J.D. Spielman, uh, Marcus Fleming, those guys. That's That was the thing. That's why they're pissed. I mean, so for me is – you know, the best receiver is is a transfer, you know, like a, a lot of some of these positions, you know, at wide receiver, um, it was it was leaning on on uh, players that were uh, formerly recruited by a different staff and 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 uh, transfers in. There needs to be by year four, obviously, guys that have been in the system two, three, four years that, that are performing. And if you want proof of how that works, look on the defensive side. I mean. Chins just put his head down. That first year was a disaster. The defense was awful, but they were better in 2019. They were better in 2020 and even better this year. It seems like it's like two different worlds inside that complex to me. But, but it's funny you bring that up because half the, half the fans wanted Chins fired before he started being good. I mean, it looked bad at the beginning it with did. that defense. And so I understand why there were a lot of fans out there saying, yep. He needs to go. This defense ain't getting good enough fast enough. 
He needs to go. Yeah, going to a three four is a is a completely different beast. Like how that that switch went. Um, and you know, uh, uh, tip of the hat to Scott Frost for not, you know, getting rid of chins the first year or two. I mean, the defense wasn't great in year two either. He saw that there was improvement coming. And he stuck with chins. That was the right call. Um, I think his miscalculation was, you know, I just think he thought he was going to come into the slow, stodgy. Big Ten West, we we know we just we never do anything in the we're just we don't know anything about football here in the Big Ten West, and I think he found out. What is this accent? I don't know. I'm just <laughs> like the 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 you know like Braden Gall. That I think he he was even on oh, your yeah. podcast, right? Braden I mean Braden Gall. I remember three years ago he's like, listen guys, Scott Frost is going to get his guys. He's going to run through the Big Ten West like everybody else is standing still. It's going to be them in the Big Ten Championship versus Ohio State every year. And I'm like, wow, okay, so step aside Wisconsin, step aside Iowa, Northwestern, Minnesota. I mean, but I think there was some thought process with Frost uh, thinking that that's how it was going to go. But what has happened is defenses were were adjusting that whole first year, right? The, the, the best offense Frost has had was in 2018. The the offense took a step back in 2019. I know 2020 was weird, but still. And these defensive coaches have had a chance to adjust to some of the schemes and everything that they've wanted to do. And that's what's happening now. So now I think Frost has gotten that figured out. I think he went to Trev Alberts and said, miscalculation, that's on me. Give me another chance. I don't think it was bullshit when Trev said in many ways he's he's betting on himself, I, I do think that's what he's trying to do. So, you know, I think a lot of what you're going to see is some more concepts that are are a little bit more, quote unquote, Big Ten West type of concepts. Yeah, Trev always was trying think, to renegotiate that cell phone contract. That's what he was trying I, I think to do. That's what he's doing. And I think I think Scott Frost even is maybe not admitted to the mistakes he's made. I think he's proven to people that he understands he made those mistakes. Because look at the look at the wide receivers he re, he recruited when he got here. They're all five nine, five ten guys, fast guys, really fast guys. But there was no height. And, and now look at the guys he's going after. He's going after six one, six two guys that are bigger bodied guys. He's not going after the Maurice Washington running backs anymore. He's going after the Marvin Scotts and the and, and the Marquis Step guys, the Jacques Yance. He's going after the heavy, more powerful running backs. So I, I think when he came in, I think you're right. I think, he, but I think Scott Frost knows he made those mistakes, and I think he's been trying to correct those mistakes over the last couple of years. I agree. Um, you know, I mean, as far as the height and size of the receivers, I mean, certainly, you know, speed and size is going to play into pretty much any position on the football field. the The biggest thing is keeping the same guys out there consistently that get open. I, I mean, I'm serious like that. We just have not seen that as uh, like the first year. I mean, the, the, the wide receiver duo, the first year in 2018 is the best one that, that Frost has had since he's been there. The shocking thing at the skilled positions outside of, of Martinez has been, it's, it's been a revolving door at running back and wide receiver like crazy. What's the one position that has settled itself down tight end and who's the one coach that that has stayed is Becton so like again like you know I'm gonna sound like Kirk Ferentz here but consistency continuity you know like keeping the same guys in the position and developing them 
haven't seen it for, you know, as far further outside you get from the center of the offense, it's been more, it's been more, you know, sporadic. All right. Uh, let's get into score predictions for the Nebraska, Iowa game. Uh, again, Nebraska opened up as like three and a half point favorites. The line right now is Iowa minus one and a half. Who knows what it's going to happen. What's going to happen by Friday. I mean, Jeff, do you think uh, it's going to be swinging more in Iowa's favor? Yeah, I think it, I think I could see it going up by another point. Um, you don't usually, you know, it's two and a half to three and a half. And sometimes you'll see some three point lines, you know, but usually it takes a lot to get it to jump from a two and a half past the three. Uh, so I don't think it would go over three. Um, I think uh, uh, betters will start to sniff out that there's a new quarterback uh, for Nebraska. I mean, a lot of people don't look at these lines until, you know, mid late week, um, Thanksgiving week too, you know, it's got people uh, distracted. So I, I do think it will go up, but not a ton. Um, yeah, that, that would be my guess. I, I, I don't think, I think two good defenses are out there. Um, so I, I, it would be hard pressed for me to see an explosion of points uh, from either team. So I would think somewhere around a 40 to 44 point total in the game would be about what I'd expect. All right, we'll come back to you, Tyler. I want to hear your score prediction and uh, how this game, how you think this game will play out. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, you look at the Iowa game, I think this could be a little bit resemblant of the Minnesota um, Iowa game a couple weeks back. I think Nebraska is going to probably outgain them. Um, I think we're going to have a, some more points. Um, I actually look for the tight ends to have a really good game. I think last week we had a really good game with the tight ends. I don't. I think that was some scheme from Frost, and I think a, a, a good friend to a new quarterback is a big tight end over the middle that's reliable. Um, so I like them to have big games. I, I was already, uh, when I woke up this morning to pick Nebraska today, um, I, I'm not going to pick Nebraska. I just think that there's too much uncertainty now with the offense, and I just don't think we can get enough points to beat Iowa. Um, I got Iowa winning 21-17. to 17. All right, Derek, your score right. prediction and how this game will play out. This game's going to play out of Nebraska doing all the Nebraska things. And it's going to find a way to give just something to bitch about for a whole offseason. And they're going to find a way to beat Iowa. And then Justin's going to sit here and go, well, Jesus Christ, we should have been starting Logan Smothers the whole year. And wow. so I think that's what's going to end up happening. They have no film on Logan Smothers. They don't know what he's going to do. I do think that that gives Nebraska a little bit of an edge there. And I think defensively, their offense sucks. And as long as you cannot screw up too bad on special teams, I think they find a way to win. I'll go 24-17 Nebraska. 24-17. Okay. Uh, You know, I I like Nebraska a little bit uh, before Adrian Martinez went down, but the fact that Logan Smothers is going to come into this game and he's going to be put to the test with a defense that is known for turnovers, interception machines that they are, and we're going to get to a point where we're going to have to throw the ball. And that does not give me any hope for Logan Smothers in this scenario without a good warm-up game. Scott Frost had plenty of times, plenty of opportunities to give Logan Smothers some meaningful snaps this year. And he didn't do it. In what games? 
So all the one-score games you're going to put in the backup quarterback? Shut the Why hell not? up. Why not? Oh, yeah, let's do that. That sounds fucking smart. What was the defense that you thought was like, that's the defense? Like, get Logan Smothers. Was it, was it that Wisconsin defense? That would have been, I mean. Well, how about the games that uh, Adrian Martinez was actually hurt? That he was struggling in those for games. half the season. Minnesota would be a good candidate. Minnesota so, would so have been an excellent Adrian, game. Adrian Martinez had three season-ending injuries. Only game I would have said that we should have seen Logan Smothers. And Lo- I, I, you guys don't have to agree, agree with. Man, that, I'm I'm surprised Justin isn't the one with the broken jaw after recording with you guys all season. <laughs> if he lived, if he lived closer, he probably would. <laughs> So anyway, all I say, I say all that to say this, that I was going to get the 23 to 17 uh, win in this game. All right. So um, please, shameless self plug, uh, please turn into Eyes on Big Podcast. Um, There is kind of a process I go through. I haven't got through it yet. So we'll record either tomorrow or Wednesday with Thanksgiving. I'm not 100% sure, but we'll get it out midweek for my official prediction. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm probably... Uh, probably pretty, you know, I've, I, I closer to Tyler and Justin. By the way, Derek, I would have been totally uh, put off if you would have picked Iowa to win. That would have weirded me out big time. So I'm glad you stayed on brand. I appreciate that. Uh, but I, you know, it's it's hard for me to think either team is going to pull away unless there is a two or three turnover advantage one way or the other. Um, so I, I do think it's going to be a, a close game. Um, as far as the style of the game, I do think Nebraska will actually have an early lead in this game. Like I could see like three nothing Iowa and then, you know, seven to three Nebraska. I can't say 10 to three Nebraska because I don't see a field goal getting kicked. So maybe, you know, 14 to six or something like that. And then I think Iowa's defense settles in. They do force a turnover and then they get a run game going at some point, And then they just kind of look like the better team in the second half. That's kind of what I, 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 foresee is the game script in my head awesome well i can't wait to see how this plays out we'll be looking forward to your uh to your prediction on uh, wednesday night all right uh all right so let's run through these games of the week real quick uh last week i went six and zero. Oh. that brings me to 41 and 25 on the year tyler you went five and one last week uh you're leading at 44 and 22 on the year and derek you shit the bed last week. You went three and three, and you were in last place at 40 and 26. So uh, five really good games this week that we're picking here. Uh, the first one, number four, Ohio State, minus eight at Michigan. Uh, Tyler. So, so you know, I, I feel like I've said this a few weeks of the year, but this is a really great weekend for college football, and I, I'm really psyched. And you know, Nebraska, you know, obviously we haven't been in the Big Ten. This, the, the game has become one of my favorite games of the year. I mean, it's it just, it's such great drama, especially with Harbaugh there. I think this is going to be a really good game. I know Ohio State looks unbeatable, but I really think Michigan has a good team. I think they are going to give them every bit of a run for their money. I think this is C.J. Shroud's Heisman game. I think this is the game. He He makes plays late in this game. And he gets the Heisman after or after Saturday. Derek, uh, I, 
I don't know about Heisman. I I don't know if I'd go quite that far. I don't know. I, I don't know. I really don't care who wins the Heisman. It's a bullshit award anyway. Uh, at, at the end of the day, I, I shout, out, shout out to Dominican Sue. <laughs> exactly, it's a bullshit award. Uh, at, at the end of the day, I think this is a closer game than what a lot of people seem to think it will be. I do think Michigan's defense is a lot stouter than what Michigan State was showing. So I don't think it's going to be quite that kind of blowout. But at the end of the day, I just don't think Michigan has enough athletes to keep up with Ohio State. And Ohio State will find a way to win. And it's probably by a couple touchdowns by the end of the game. Uh, Jeff? All right. I just want to – since you guys always um, – whenever I listen to your podcast, I can hear a beer getting cracked open roughly every 15 to 18 minutes, you know? So I'm not a big beer drinker, so I just wanted to give a big – there, that's that's my bottle of booze. That's my bottle of booze Open it up. I've been trying to be good since we had a real guest on, so – but, I mean, yeah. if we're going to do that – There you go. <laughs> I've been dying to do that. I've been drinking Amador whiskey here so long. Nice. I mean, I'm, I'm about to, like, you know, not wake up. Boom, that. Nice. Shout out, yeah. shout out to the Eyes on Big Sponsor. Hashtag yeah. ask for Amador. Um, so again, yeah, I'll save my predictions uh, for the podcast. But as far as the game, um, this is probably the second biggest g- the game of my lifetime. I think there was a one versus two. You know, I think it was 2004. Um, but this game has suddenly got even more juice than we would have thought even two, three weeks ago. You know, it is absolutely taken out. Um, I the, the line coming out as just Michigan set by seven, that that got my attention as well. So that's amazing. Uh, the biggest thing to look for is Michigan's got two talented dudes on their defensive line. Can they get to that young quarterback, C.J. Stroud? That is the number one, two, three, and four thing to look at in this game is can they get some pressure on him? Uh, And then after that, what I'm interested in is this Michigan rushing attack, which I think will be back to full speed with Blake Corum being back. Can they really get the Ohio State defense back on its heels uh, like Oregon did? Or is this Ohio State defense just figured things out like we saw last week versus Michigan State? So there is a ton of interesting things to look into. Um, Two weeks ago, I would have probably said Ohio State by two touchdowns. Right now, I don't know, man. With that line, I have not made up my mind yet. This is is going to be a great game. Yeah, I I can't wait for this game. This is going to be fun. Too bad it's such an early game. A game like this should not be early. I mean, it's. I, well, I, just I, I, love, I love it. it. I love it too. You like eleven o'clock games? Yep. Absolutely. Especially baby. for this one. I mean, yes. I love you. Give, it's it's where it goes. It's just like Nebraska on Black Friday. It, it's an early game. It's it's what it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, Agreed. there's so much on the line. I mean, I, I love this game right here. Uh, I, I think Ohio State will win it, but I think this line is overly inflated based off of what Ohio State did to uh, Michigan State last week. But I mean, I've three weeks ago, I would have said that Michigan was going to win this game. But now I think it's going to be Ohio State close. But this is going to be so much fun. Uh, next game that we're going to talk about here, Penn State at number seven, Michigan State. This game is now a pick 'em. Tyler. Well, I, I think this is an interesting game. Uh, Penn State's defense has played really good football um, over the last month. They just shut out Rutgers, looked really good doing that. 
Um, we're recording on Monday. I don't know what's up with Sean Clifford. Obviously, he left that game early. I don't know what the injury. He'll, he'll be back. It was just he, an illness. Okay. So, okay. So, I didn't know. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would, I, I'm All very right. confident to say he will be. Well, that's not going to change the output of this game. I, I think Michigan State's a better team than they played on Saturday. I think that moment was too big for them. I think that they just choked it away. I think this is a very competitive game with that defense on the um, defense. If Sean Clifford's back, um, I think that he uh, will play well. He's played well when he's healthy. Um, so except for Iowa, he's been in uh, Illinois. He's been pretty good all year. But I just think that Michigan State's uh, they're a better team than they showed on Saturday. I think they come out and pull off a close win. All right, Derek. I I think Purdue, after exposing Iowa, decided to go ahead and expose Michigan State. I think they've I think they've gone downhill quite a bit since that game. Uh, I think teams have kind of figured out how to stop Kenneth Walker, which is unfortunate. Because if you were talking Heisman, that's the guy I wanted to see win the Heisman. Uh, but I think teams have kind of figured out how to stop him just a little bit. I think Penn State's defense is good enough to slow them down enough that I don't I don't think Michigan State can get it done. I think Penn State will win this game. All right, Jeff. You know what I've found listening to this podcast is Derek makes the best points when he's not talking about Nebraska. Breaking <laughs> down breaking down these teams. I'm I'm serious. I, I actually agree with a lot of what he just said right there. Um I think I think Sparty's a little on his heels. Right now, now certainly Ohio State's going to do that to to anybody, but um, and with Penn State, I think in a little shock of confidence uh, the last two weeks. I mean, I know it's been Maryland and Rutgers, but they needed to get back uh, uh, on the win train. The the ultimate deodorant is is winning. Um, so I think they're feeling a little bit better. I think Jahan Dotson going against that Michigan State secondary could be quite the show that gets put on. So. Again, tune into the pod, but I'm. I, there's a reason this game's a pick 'em. Because yeah. uh, another thing to look at is Michigan State just last week, number seven. Penn State's not even ranked. It's a pick 'em, yeah. right? It's kind of like Iowa, Nebraska. Well, there, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. It seems like there's been a lot of games this year, more games than usual, where there's unranked teams favored over top 10 teams this year. It, it's been crazy. Yep. And, uh, and and you know why that is? Because there's actually been some parity in college football this year. Yeah, you're right. And and I would not be shocked if we come, you know, towards this towards this game where Penn State is favored in this game. And it, Could be. It, it'll be another one. Uh, but I, I'm just gonna roll with Michigan State. I, I I like Michigan State. They're they're kind of the the fun team to watch. I like the swag of Mel Tucker. I mean, I have no allegiance to either of these teams. But Mel Tucker, man, when he's smoking that cigar, that is some cool shit right there, man. So I want that. I'm, I'm going for that dude there. Uh, number 12, Ole Miss at number 25, uh, Mississippi State. Mississippi State is one-point favorites, Tyler. The Egg Bowl, um, a, a really good game. Um, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really fun matchup. Uh, Matt Coral has been playing really good football, um, as good a quarterback as there is in the country. Um you know, I, again, don't watch a ton of SEC football, but this is a game I'm definitely going to try to tune in for because I think this is going to be as good, competitive of a game as we have. Um, I'm going to go Ole Miss, I, I guess you would say an upset, um, but obviously the rankings don't back that up. I mean, um, but I, I think they have the advantage uh, uh, at quarterback. Mississippi State 
definitely dynamic Mike Leach offense, but I think this is going to be a lot of points scored. Um, a really fun game to watch. And I think Ole Miss ends up pulling off the victory. Ole Miss, okay. Uh, Derek. All right. I just want to first off say the Egg Bowl is the dumbest name for a game ever. <laughs> I mean, literally the dumbest name ever. Uh, I like Lane Kiffin better than I like Mike Leach, so I'll go Ole Miss. All right, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, uh, so we got Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Lane Kiffin, he's a character, Mike Leach. We could have players peeing like dogs in, in the in the end zone. We could get mustards thrown. We could get golf balls. I mean, ironically, the only thing that hasn't got thrown in one of these games is an egg. So I got to think we'll get a dozen eggs get thrown out here at some point. So there you go. Let's that's my, let's that's that's my fr- thing. Let's hope they're frozen eggs. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I, I'm going with Ole Miss right here. I, I like I like Lane Kiff and I like what uh, they've been doing this year. Uh, I don't trust uh, Mike Leach at all. I don't know how they got ranked 25. It's, it's it perplexes the shit out of me. Because uh, they're SEC and they beat yep. Auburn. They beat Auburn when Bo Nix went down, and that's a signature. Yeah, exactly, win. exactly. Great. Like if if yeah, don't get me started. If, if if that was, I don't even know the team in the Big Ten that's equivalent to them. I guess you would say Purdue. I mean, there's no I, SEC I, bias, guys. Yeah. It doesn't By the way, sense. if you still see uh, Mississippi State ranked when the show starts, it's just assume Alabama is going to hold on to the second spot at that point because they're going to do everything they can to prop Alabama up there. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Good point. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I took this. I took Ole Miss. I'm sorry. Uh, number 13, Oklahoma at number nine, Oklahoma state, uh, Oklahoma state minus four Tyler. Yeah. Really, really fun game. Um, a couple weeks ago, I would have said Oklahoma is going to win this. I, I really like what Oklahoma state's doing on defense. I mean, that, when you don't, when you think big 12, you don't really think defense, but Oklahoma state's the exception. Uh, I, I think they win on Saturday. I think they beat Oklahoma. Um, th- this Oklahoma team has been living by a thread all year. I don't think they're particularly great. I think the quarterback position is pedestrian for Oklahoma um, compared to especially what they've been the last half decade. I mean, I, I just I think that they're going to struggle. I don't even know who's going to take the snaps. I wouldn't be shocked to see Rattler get some snaps on Saturday. So it'll be interesting, but I think Oklahoma State wins this game. Eric? You talk about no defense. I mean, when you think of Mike Gundy team, you don't think defense. No. I mean, I, and, and so so give Mike, give Mike Gundy credit because he's done what he needed to do to fix that defense, which is something that everybody said Oklahoma's done all, I mean, for the last two years. Their defense is getting better. Their defense is getting better. And you have to get into games where they just can't stop anybody. Uh, Oklahoma's, Oklahoma State's offense has gotten better throughout the year. They started off struggling pretty hard. I, I think Oklahoma State wins this game. I, I don't even know if it's a close game. Jeff? Yeah, I mean, it is kind of bizarro with Oklahoma State leading with their their defense. Um, I'll tell you this much. Uh, the, the final four, if you will, the college football playoff, whatever, that I would like to see is Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Cincinnati 3, so then you get an Ohio State – uh Cincinnati all Ohio matchup those fan bases have been going at it and then Oklahoma State for 
playing uh, Georgia. Uh, you know, Cincinnati and Oklahoma State in there because I, I don't think there's any teams past uh, 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 Georgia and Ohio State that deserve it. If Alabama gets beat by Georgia in the SEC championship, which we all hope, they don't deserve to be in there. And then, you know, so with that being said, I feel like kind of Oklahoma's in the same boat. Tired of seeing them get in there and get depanced every year. So I hope Oklahoma State wins this game. I hope it's 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 them getting in the Big 12 championship as hot as can be that gets them into the, the into the final four. And I want to see Oklahoma State win this game because uh, I live here in Waco. I want to see Baylor represent the Big 12 in the uh, Big 12 championship game. Uh, Baylor, they're kind of going to be my uh, Christmas team, my holiday team that I'll be rooting for. So, uh, well, Justin, I will tell you this much: if that happens, I'm going to root so hard against Baylor because the doomsday. Of course you would. Well, here's the here's the doomsday scenario: Baylor gets in, plays Oklahoma State. Baylor beats Oklahoma State. I feel like if that happens, you are looking at a lock for Bama to get in, even if they lose. Because I, I don't know who else gets in. I don't know who, like, I don't see the committee putting a Pac-12 champion in. I don't see them putting a no. Baylor team in. Like, I think that that, and I don't want to watch a rematch of the SEC championship game. What I think about that a Bam- UTSA team? UTSA. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're probably right. That would be the bad thing. But I I'll say this that. much. I will believe a two-loss Alabama team isn't in the college football playoffs when I see it. I mean, I, I I feel like they're doing everything they can to keep them up there. There's just, I mean, the only way a two loss team is if they lose that they lose against Auburn and they beat Georgia that they would get it. I can't, unless the doom, unless Cincinnati loses, unless Wisconsin or Iowa win the big 10 championship. Um, like I, I can't imagine a two loss Bama team getting in. I hope you're right. All right, one more game here. We got number 15, Wisconsin, seven-point favorites at Minnesota. Tyler? This is the one game I don't see competitive. Um, I I think that Wisconsin, like, in spite of what Nebraska did to them, I think their defense is the second-best defense in the country. Uh, Braylon Allen is just, I mean, why wasn't I that kid when he was 17? Like, how is that even fair? Like, how— Derek was was certainly not. I will promise you that. Um, I just think that they're they're playing some really good football. Um, And whoever wins between Ohio State and Michigan should be scared of Wisconsin. I'm sorry, Jeff. I I think Wisconsin's going to the Big Ten Championship. And I think that for every reason, uh, whoever has to draw them should be scared. Derek? I Wisconsin's winning this game. I there's not. I don't think this is very competitive. Uh, I, PJ Fleck has a has, has, is doing a good job there in Minnesota. He is. Uh, this has not been his best year. That offense is struggling when it matters most. Their defense has looked a lot better, but it ain't gonna matter because Wisconsin's just found their way. They're back to their old roots of running the ball hard. You know, there was times that Graham Murch was throwing the ball 30, 40 times a game, and that's when they were struggling. But now that they've they've established the run again, they're back to being the unstoppable Wisconsin thing. Everybody thought they were going to be to start the year. 
So I've got a quick theory on that. I think Paul Chris wanted to air it out more. I think that Barry Alvarez left. He wanted to air it out more, and he tried he that. And suck. well, he he realized that what the hell am I doing with this offensive line? Like I I'm going back to what I know because. There is a distinct difference in this Wisconsin. If you look at the first four or five games of the season, this, I mean, it's not just the results. Like their their strategy is much different. Um, I, I think he tried it. He realized that was a stupid idea with what is currently there. Um, I don't know if Graham Mertz sucks, but I, I definitely don't think he was worth the all Big Ten hype that he was getting preseason. All right, Jeff, what, what's uh, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, it's actually pretty pretty interesting theory, Tyler. I mean, uh, Paul Christ is the is the OC this year. Um, Joe Rudolph is the O line coach and was the OC previous. And it, it's interesting to think, you know, if there's maybe been some little little bit of tension between those two guys, and maybe it's Joe Rudolph who has you know wound up winning the plan of attack here the last seven games. Um, I'm pretty much with you guys right here. I mean, I suppose this will be the one pick that I'll just very heavily allude to. I just basically how Minnesota does it on offense is by leaning on you and leaning on you until you kind of cave. Right. But that's what Michigan, that's what Wisconsin does. And they do it better. Right. Um, A lot of the cutbacks on uh, behind the offensive line is where those plays are at for the running backs. I just don't see that happening versus this attacking 3-4 defense and those linebackers. Um, I saw PJ's press conference today breaking down the film, and it looked like he just got left a funeral. You know, like <laughs> I, I, think he, I think he understood what they were up against. So I, I do think Minnesota's defense still, even, you know, week 13 here, is not getting the respect that it should. It is a very good defense. So I do think that is their chances is if they can – you know, shut down Braylon Allen or as best as anybody has been able to do the past seven weeks, seven weeks in a row, he's had over a hundred yards. If they can slow him down and put some pressure on uh, Mertz to make a mistake, the issue is they don't have the special teams to make a difference on that other part of it either. So in the end, it's just hard for me to picture uh, Minnesota uh, winning that game as hard as I potentially want them to do. Because if Iowa can beat Nebraska and Minnesota beats Wisconsin, Iowa goes to Indy. I just think it's a low chance that that the second leg of that is going to happen. Can, I, I just want to add this: like, can, can Minnesota's defense just do me one favor and at least not let Braylon Allen get a hundred yards in the first quarter like Nebraska did? <laughs> Probably won't. I mean, I, I Minnesota's <laughs> got a really good rush. I, I think they're top ten in rush defense. So. I can tell you this much: that'll be Joe Rossi's main goal is to make the. I don't know if you guys heard. Braylon Allen is 17 years old. 17. I don't know if you've heard that before. Uh, <laughs> I think that's been brought make, up once. Maybe they'll make him throw to Barry Alvarez's uh, uh, grandson. That, that'll wait, be. Wait, wait. Barry Alvarez has a grandson that plays football. Crazy, huh? Isn't that isn't that nuts? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I have Wisconsin also. Hey, uh, Jeffrey the Greek, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. I, you know, I always think that it's going to be like a quick segment with you, but here we are like so long. I mean, it's, it's been awesome. I, we could talk football with you all night long. Uh, it's been great. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I appreciate it. I, uh, thoughts right back to you guys. You guys are a blast to talk to. Um, you crack me up all the time on the podcast as well. So 
getting invited on like this is is very cool and i appreciate it very much well we're going to make this an annual thing i don't even give a shit if nebraska ever beats iowa if you can come on i mean at this point it doesn't matter Deal. as long let's as, just keep that going let's keep hey, that as agreement long going as nebraska uh, plays tyler close. that's all that matters to nebraska fans anymore just play Ty- close because god damn it you gave a good effort and that's all that matters and, tyler we're gonna start our own podcast <laughs> these two can have their own fun you know um but no it it has been fun um yeah i I don't share the sentiment i want to beat iowa again i remember those days it was a fun time beating iowa it was like ooh, you get to go in the off season with some kind of encouragement and now there's not so and you know i didn't talk much on that but that is one of the fears like there's just absolutely nothing for nebraska to lose you know with this game so um, playing loose is is definitely something that you would think Nebraska would do. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, one of the things I think you guys kind of joke, sorry if you guys got to cut me off here, but uh, Derek said it, you know, if if Nebraska wins with Smothers, it's gonna It fits perfect for the for the offseason. You know, oh, my God, now we've got Smothers. We've got our guy. We finally have a gamer in at quarterback. But if Nebraska barely loses with Smothers, then it's from Nebraska fans like, well, we would have beat Iowa if we had Adrian Martinez in there. Oh, so yeah. either either storyline is just going to be perfect all, but, all season long. But it awesome. doesn't matter because Nebraska always wins the offseason. It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter what happens. It's like, oh, yeah, next I, year. I will say awesome. that is 100% true. It was the latest offseason confidence booster ever. Like it took till like, late August until I felt like the groundswell happened for, for Nebraska fans. Usually it starts in like June. It's, it's like before the 4th of July. So it'll be even more interesting next year. Hey, last thought. So you obviously watched the Nebraska Wisconsin game. Was that a pass interference at the end of the game? Oh God, no, we, we said that. No, oh, yes, it was. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I misinterpreted the question. 100%. It was a pass interference. It's not even up for debate, by the way. You know, I'm an Iowa fan. I ain't no Wisconsin fan. You don't think I've seen Wisconsin get those calls like that over the years? Trust me. Like, they have been doing their little bullshit false start on the offensive line where they're they're pulling guards, pull right before the snap, and it should be a false start most of the time. Trust me, Iowa fans, Northwestern fans, Minnesota fans, we've been pissed about that stuff for years. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, uh, hey, you got to plug uh, your yeah. Twitter handle and the podcast. I mean, I'm sure all of our listeners listen to your podcast anyway, but you got to do it. Yeah, I'm Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek on Twitter. Uh, the podcast, we're, our podcast Twitter handle isn't the the most active thing. It's mostly my podcast partner at Big Kurt. That's B one G K U R T. Um, but the the eyes on Big E Y E S on B one G. It's on all the uh, podcast platforms. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Always looking for a new listener, so give us a shout. All Best right. Big Ten podcast out there. Yes. All uh, right, that's going to do it for us tonight. Special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio t- together for us. Be sure to follow us, Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcast. Hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. As always, stay good, Yes, sir.